This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? I am live in New York at the Go Big event for the Big Eye of New York, and we are going to party on the Power Producers podcast today. Stay tuned. All right, we are live with one of my buddies, Mr. Sean Fitzgerald from LAF Advisors in Long Island, New York. Strong Island. What's going on, David? Oh, man, I don't know about it. It... uh, (laughs) I don't know about this putting me on at nine o'clock in the morning to lead the charge thing, man. <laughs> Holy cow. I know. We had to watch ourselves last night and make sure uh, we didn't stay out too late. Yeah, well, I understand that you did stay out too late with Mr. <laughs> with Mr. Doug Benz, who had a hard time getting up this morning as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Doug knows how to party. That's for sure. He does. He does. And now everybody, about 20,000 agents from across the country realize that. So if you guys are looking for a good time in Buffalo, New York, Mr. Doug Benz is where you're going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome to... Uh, to meet everyone yesterday. I've got to meet you for the first time. I mean, we've been working together now for at least six months, I think. Oh, it's been, I, I felt like it was closer to a year at this point, man. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but I mean, that's the cool part about being able to have Zoom and everything and work with people Yeah, remotely. You meet them in person, it's like you already knew them for the last 20 years, so. Yeah, that's the great thing about social media. I've connected with so many people. Um, even Steven, uh, last name I think is uh, Trumbo. I just met him today. Uh, but we, yeah, my, my twin. Yeah, 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 the same blazer. Uh, but we, we connected on social le- literally last night. He emailed me this morning. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm at the Go Big event. We'll connect. He's like, I'm on my way there right now. I was like, oh, all right. And then we, just, yeah. we connected. He opened up an agency a couple weeks ago. Um, I opened up a scratch agency about two years ago. So we had a lot to talk about. I feel like we all three have a lot to talk about because he left an agency that he was at with his dad. I left yeah. an agency that I was at with my dad, started a scratch agency. Yeah. And, um, you know, I told him, I said, we need to compare notes at some point. I think it was fate that we wore the same blazer today. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's tough. Um, it's tough to leave an agency. I don't know how long you were with, um, that first agency you were with. I was with the first agency for about two and a half, three years. Okay. And then I was with my next agency for eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was with. And it was not difficult at all to leave. No. No. I, it was funny. I was telling Steven today, I was like, you know, I went from a nice six figure income to literally zero. Yeah. And I didn't get no, I didn't get no fancy severance or renewals or anything. I said, I started zero, but it was 
the happiest I've ever been. 100%. Yeah. Exactly the same. That's why I said it wasn't hard for me to leave. I yeah. mean, it wasn't even, to me, it wasn't about money. It was about my own well-being, my health, and my future for my kids because it just wasn't 100%. happening where I was. And if yeah. I can't be in control of that, I'm going to put myself in a situation where I am. So switching gears, man, I mean, what do you think about the event so far? Amazing event. I, I, honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed because I met so many people. Like, you know what I mean? And it's so much information. Um, so I think I have, to, uh, I have to do a little bit of a better job of taking notes next time. But <laughs> it was awesome yeah. to get to, to meet everyone. Um, I'm on the board of Big Eye in Suffolk County. And a lot of the people from Suffolk County came up here too. So I got to connect and hang out with them last night for a little bit. Plus meet you, Doug Benz. Um, I just met Crowley earlier today. Mike, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I met I met your son. Um, so it was really awesome to meet everyone within the industry. And it's something I wish I did earlier on in my career. Uh, I started when I was 21. And Ooh. networking was not a part of it. And I kind of looked at every other agency as a competitor, honestly. And it's, it's so funny because I, I just read this quote from Jeff Bezos the other day that said, you shouldn't look at your competitors as competition. You, should, you shouldn't be afraid of your competitors. You should be afraid of your customers. Mm. Um, and you should actually look to, and you should do that because with your customers, right, you know, you want to make sure you're innovating and making the process efficient and, you know, still staying in touch with them. So I really like that because with this event especially, People like you, you can tell you're, we're all trying to work together to make each other better. Um, and at the end of the day, may, are we probably going to bump into each other's counts? Probably not with you, right? Because you're in Florida, but it is, you know, it is what it is. That's just the nature of the game. And I, I think at the end of the day, if we're trying to build each other and do the right thing, that's what it's all about. Well, I'm of the mindset I can tell people 100% of what I do because I know 95% of them are never going to take the first yep. step. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. When you were talking today, I was like, I don't know why my initial reaction was, man, he's giving away all the, all, you know, all the secrets. But then I'm like, I, I thought kind of the same thing. It's so funny. You had the, the uh, killingcommercial.com backslash QBI. Yeah. They said, yes. And you told me about it the other day and I started going down the wormhole, right? Um, I guess we can call it shiny object syndrome, but like I started going down that wormhole and I was like, man, he's giving everything away. That's so awesome. And I was like, He's given this all away, but really, I don't want to say no. There are people doing it. Right. But not as many as there should be. That's for sure. Nope. Agreed. I mean, it's like, it's like content marketing. I mean, I was yeah. going to go there next in terms of how to drive traffic and everything. But, it, you know, people, I, I've seen it time and time and time again. People will blog, they'll blog, they'll blog, and then mm. all of a sudden they quit. Yep. And then two weeks later, the first lead comes in, you know, from everything that they've worked to build. Yeah. And... You know, we had a situation with a guy at the other agency where he did that. He left and actually took another job because he got so sick and tired of me being on him about blogging. Yeah. I guess. And we went to a trade association show for the indus one of the industries we focused on like three weeks after he left. And I'm walking down the main hall. I wasn't even supposed to go. I took his place. Mm. And I'm walking down the main hall. And people are like, hey, where's this guy? Where's, where is that? We were looking forward to meeting him. We read all of his stuff, blah, blah, blah. We ended up writing like $5 million in premium that would have been his. <laughs> and it was all based off of what he had done to build it. But because he didn't get the instant gratification, he didn't want to commit to the process. And that's, yeah. look, man, you know this. If you started a scratch agency more than anything else, you better commit to the process every single day and just hit the grind because 
that's the only way you're going to get traction when you first start. You know, just go out and try and write business. That's the only way you're going to write it. So, yeah, yeah and that's that's an area where I definitely need to step up is is the blogging space for sure. Um, I'm a terrible writer, but you don't have I, to I do feel comfortable on video. Yeah, I know we spoke about that, and then like transcribing it and working it out, and even hiring some somebody on like you know Upwork or whatever to work out the blog. Uh, so that's what I did on my last one. You don't um, even need to do that. You can mm. buy Grammarly one time, put it on yeah. your computer, and let Grammarly tell you everything that mm. you said that doesn't make sense when you write it, and now you have a blog post. Mm. That's yeah. exactly what I do. I added okay. everything through Grammarly. And if I feel like I'm having too long of sentences or run-on sentences yeah. for like a one-time charge, like 20 bucks, I think, you can buy the Hemingway editor, which mm. forces you to take your sentences and break them down into smaller pieces so people are easily more easily digested gotcha gotcha you know what's interesting about blogging too it has so many benefits but what i find is even I'll, I'll, sometimes i'll do a blog about like a simple you know coverage or whatever and i find i actually wind up like learning something myself from it you know what i mean so it's yeah. not just the seo and the content marketing it's from no, a knowledge standpoint the, too so kyle and Raphael are both going through their cic and part of their that process here, yeah I told them, write a blog about every learning objective. Yeah, yeah. That's now, the, now you're studying <laughs> for the CIC and you're creating content that'll drive traffic and eventually get you appointments. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great because that's what I'm, uh, I just did uh, uh, multi, commercial multi-line, I think, within CIC. And they had a whole thing on there about cyber, you know, pay on behalf and reimbursement and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this would be a great blog post. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so I like that idea of taking the objectives from that and creating blogs. Yeah, great idea. So listen, people, if you haven't heard anything yet, you, you've, you've heard, commit to the process, and you should be a blogger. End of story. I don't care if you start with video. I don't care if you start with writing. It makes you smarter and better yeah. for your clients, and it's a great way to market. I'm going to wrap up, man, because I'm doing these in 10-minute sound bites. Thanks for jumping on. Any parting words? Hey, nothing. It was awesome meeting you again, and I'm yes, sure sir. we'll connect down the line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Take care. Hey, everybody, we are live with Craig Bender from Suffolk County, New York, another guy from Long Island, man. The Long Island people are not a bashful to come on a podcast, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Thanks Just wrapped up me. with uh, Mr. Fitzgerald. So what's your story, man? What's so, your insurance story? Insurance story is my mom owned an agency since 2008. She worked for an agency. Uh, she started, I believe it was 1996. So she worked there until about 2008. That's when her previous, uh, the previous owner passed away. She took over. Um, and then she worked up, up until 2019 when she got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So mm. I was already licensed at that point. She had to take a step away. I took a step up. I came and pretty much that's, that's how I started. And then I learned from the ground up, reading policies, reaching out to my underwriters, relying on um, the company reps to help me out and just learning the way one step at a time. And Thankfully, I went to uh, Merchants, the Buffalo School, where I became the MVP producer, then uh, worked all my way up to become the Young Agent of the Year for 2021, mm. magazine cover for the big eye, and just trying to keep my head down and move along. That's awesome. So what kind of business do you write in your agency? I do a lot of personal lines, home, auto, uh, coming a little bit more into commercial. So it's about a, want to say a 70-30 split personal, but trying to raise the commercial book up a little bit. Got it. 
So what uh, what do you think of the conference so far? I mean, were you here last night or did I, you just get here today? No, I was here last night. It was amazing. I mean, you learn so much, uh, so many different things, seeing what different companies offer and really seeing how you can expand your own agency from just coming to an event like this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the turnout's been pretty solid yeah, so far. Absolutely. So what do you hope to take away? I uh, definitely want to get appointed with a few other companies just to broaden my horizon and uh, have the different solutions that I could provide, provide for my clients. And it's hard if you just reach out to a company without actually being there in person saying, hey, I would like an appointment versus <laughs> being here and talking to the actual marketing reps and seeing if we can do business together. Do you do anything with my buddy, John Mason? It's Shenango Brokers. I don't. You need to meet him before he leaves. All right. I will, I will make that introduction for you. They are crushing it on Long Island right now with a homeowner's product that writes right up to the water. And I know that Sean, who was on right before you, was absolutely blown away when Mason told him what he could do last night. So it would be a good market for you to have. He's a, he's a wholesaler of admitted markets, but he has exclusive programs that would blow it out of the water for you. Oh, that's amazing. I would love to meet him. So what's your favorite part about it being an insurance agent? Definitely the relationships, building that rapport with clients, the companies, it's, it's, you need insurance. You can't leave the dealership without ID cards. You can't leave a, the closing table without insurance. So either way, it's, it's one of those things that you need me and I just want to be the best that I can be for everyone else. What would you say makes your agency unique? Definitely the customer service aspect. So I am licensed to through the National Safety Council to teach defensive driving. So I'll teach the defensive driving to my uh, fleet clients and then other auto clients, as well as doing the photo inspections if it's, since it is mandatory from the companies for vehicles that are seven years or newer. So I will go to wherever they are, take care of the photo inspections, get the application signed. So I'm a lot. I'm very hands on with what I do, as well as I try to build that. Re- relationship, build the rapport as best as I can. So if you weren't doing that, where would they have the inspections done? Cause I mean, we, we have to go to like a, some sort of a gas station, not a gas station, but like a mechanic, like a tire shop. It's like just random places it's, are appointed by whoever the carriers are. Yeah. And it was funny because when I first wrote my first auto policy and I had to, like, I was told you need a photo inspection. I'm like, all right. So then I went on the Carco website, saw the different locations. And I was like, every, everywhere was either a different insurance, uh, different insurance agency, a gas station, mechanic shop. And it's like, if I have a client that has five, six vehicles that are all seven years or newer, am I really going to how it, it's not feasible or it's not, um, it, it's not t- it's difficult for a client to be able to bring all five, six cars to a mechanic shop in one shot. So it's better for me to come to you. It's, dude, it's difficult for me to bring one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about how busy we are running our agency. Now I got to stop something in the middle of the day, turn around, drive halfway across town to the closest, you know, approved provider to get my car inspected. I mean, that that has to be a huge wedge for you at the point of sale. Uh, of course. But now the second that you can come to them and then you, you, you're talking about the businesses that they work for, what they do. And right. it's now it's now I, want, I mean, I'm the type of broker that I want to be invited to their family barbecue because I want to have that relationship with them where if they need anything, they give me a call and I'm always there for them. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think that if, if you, was you taking the time to make, to get yourself educated and certified to be able to do that, it's a huge wedge for the point of sale. Yeah. Because you have the ability at that point to go to them. And by the way, I'd prefer to come to your place of business, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I can talk to everybody there. There's a lot of people in one place, plus maybe talk to your boss or whatever else. I mean, that's, that's a, a really good way to do it. Cause I can tell you right now, one of the main reasons I won't even shop my car insurance is because I don't want to have to deal with that again. Yeah, it's it's difficult and it's time consuming, like you mentioned, and just the wedge that I can build from saying that I know that you don't have time, but I just need you to be there. I need someone to be there. And I've met the children of the vehicles and they open up the car for me. I do what I have to do and I get the job done. Good deal. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap up because I'm doing sound bites and we're making a, a just a giant mashup of these. So thanks for spending a few minutes with me, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. Uh, look forward to seeing you on the cover of the June issue of Independent Agent Magazine. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All right, brother. Take care. Hey, everybody. We are with Scott Hobson from Big Eye, New York. He is a lobbyist that works in Albany. And that's the side of the association that I think a lot of people shy away from because they typically want donations, honestly. <laughs> but I'm a big believer in us supporting InsurePack for our state and nationally through the big eye. Talk a little bit about how you got into that role, and then I want to dive into it a little bit and see what a day in the life looks like because I think agents would benefit from that and understand that's – we need more guys like you, man. I'm in Florida right now. We just had a special session of the legislature over all the issues with the homeowners insurance that we're dealing with. And so I'm real interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Thanks, David. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And sure. Let me put it this way. You said, I wish there were more guys like you. The exciting thing is there are a lot more guys like me. It's every agent, every independent agent, every big I member is and can be a very powerful lobbyist for the industry that we love so much and for our customers. So, you know, and we talk about lobbying, public policy, it sounds very boring, but I like to think of it as storytelling and advocacy, right? It's all about taking the issues that we care about, the issues that our customers care about, and taking them to the people in power and saying, listen, this is important to us. We want you to help make it better. That's what we elected you to do. And so, in my view... The, the advocacy is one of the most important reasons that the big eye and that any association exists is to give our members a voice to elevate that voice and to make things better. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we don't even realize is foot soldiers on the streets as agents out grinding every day. There's this whole other side to the industry. What's, what's a day in your life look like? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the day. So I'm going to take, um, Let's take a session day when the legislature is in session because that's probably a lot more interesting than like a day in the fall when I'm, you know, hounding people for money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look. Yeah, you no, know, nobody wants to hear about that part. No, no, no. Um, you know, a, a typical session day, I am reviewing bills, checking to see, you know, does this bill affect our members? Do we have a problem with it? Do we like it? Figuring out. What's our position? A lot of times that means talking to agents, you know, the folks on the ground who understand how these issues affect their customers. Um, It's talking with lawmakers, you know, meeting with legislators either over Zoom or, you know, things things are opening up again. I'm able to get down to the Capitol, shake some hands, talk to people in person. You know, it lobbying is a is a lot like insurance in that it's a relationship business. 
your relationships are everything. And being able to talk face to face with lawmakers is a very important part of my job. And, you know, honestly, it's one of the things I, I probably enjoy most, uh, second to talking with our members. Sometimes, you know, New York, particularly, uh, much like DC, there's a lot of money at play. And so I talk about hounding people for money. That money supports our political action committee. And there's a reason that most campaign accounts for lawmakers are called friends of Senator so-and-so, friends of assembly member so-and-so, because your friends are the people that give you money. And, and that sounds probably overly cynical, but you know, at the end of the day, supporting candidates for office who understand the value of our industry and the value that we provide is very important. So I'll go to fundraisers, you know, I'll take the money that we raise to amplify our voice and use that to support folks who are going to do good work when they, when they are elected or reelected. So what's your favorite part? I mean, what, or, or let me take that back. Cause I feel like you kind of answered that already. What do you think the biggest accomplishment is that you've made thus far? It's a great question. I heard you talking with Craig earlier about the photo inspection issue and how frustrating that is for customers and what a pain it is for you as agents. And or, or as a person who drives a car, for that matter. It's, yeah. Because <laughs> we don't deal with it in Florida, not, not like it is here, I don't think. Yeah, New York, like in, in many respects, New York is very special and, and not always in a good way. And one of the things that we're working on is a bill to make those inspections optional at the discretion of the insurance companies. And we recognize, look, we don't want insurance fraud to go up. Nobody does. But if the insurance companies say, look, these inspections aren't useful, then they should be allowed to opt out of doing them to help the customer, to help everybody involved. And so I'm excited that I believe within the next two weeks, and I'm certainly jinxing it by saying this, <laughs> but that bill will be passed and it will be sent to the governor and, and hopefully signed into law. Um, but that would be, without a doubt, my greatest professional accomplishment. I don't mean to say mine in that you know, it's it's an it's an issue that uh, I've been working on for many years, and I've you know spearheaded and led. But that's you know that's a, that's a victory that would have many victors. You know, every one of our agents plays a role in getting that done. In fact, just before this conversation, Craig was calling a senator and asking him to support the bill and pass it. So um, that would be very exciting to me. So I know how long it takes to get the average prospect to feel comfortable enough to become your client. How long does it take for you to get a relationship with one of these lawmakers to the point that you can start having some influence or, or getting them to move in the direction you need them to? Yeah. Because it's got to be a slow play. I mean, I can't imagine these people are just sitting here waiting for you to come talk to them. <laughs> no, uh, oftentimes they don't. So there's a couple things that you, you do. You know, it is a long play, as you said, and that relationship is built over many years. One of the great strengths of the big eyes and association is the relationships that our members bring to the table. Many of our members have existing relationships with lawmakers. Uh, one of our members writes the insurance for the Speaker of the Assembly, and they're, they're close friends. And so tapping into our agent network to open those doors is extremely helpful. Um, and I think that's part of our power. But to your, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's, it's acting, it's, Approaching members, legislators with some regularity, it's offering help, right? It's a two-way relationship. How can I help you? How can you help me? Um, 
it's ensuring that you're always accurate and trustworthy. Credibility is an extremely important value. Um, I know a lot of, uh, I don't know a lot, but there are, there are some lobbyists that will play fast and loose with the facts and that never works out in the long run. So it's important to be credible and it's important to bring the authority of the association and the industry that uh, we represent. Any war stories you feel comfortable sharing, like awkward moments or anything like that? I'm always interested yeah. in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I have a, one of my favorite stories. Um, and I, this is my favorite because it, it demonstrates the, the passion uh, that often it gets injected into these conversations. And this was many years ago. I was having a lobby day, which is where you bring a bunch of folks to the Capitol to meet with lawmakers. And in this, this instance, I was, um, I was with a group of contractors and I, there may have been some insurance agents there. And, um, I'm not certain if there were, but, uh, we had, a, a, we were asking a lawmaker to support a bill and, and he said, well, I'll consider it and, uh, I'll get back to you. And one of our, one of the contractors said, <laughs> he used some choice language. He said, you told me that last year. And you emailed me and you said you were going to support this. And you pulled out a printed copy of the email and said, mm. you told me you were going to support this. It's right here. And, you know, again, there was some colorful language involved. And ultimately, the lawmaker did decide to support the bill. And, you know, that's always awkward when you're standing there and saying, look, we need to be respectful. He's, you know, it's not it's never a good idea to, you know, anger somebody who who is an important vote on a bill. Uh, but the passion, I think, and the commitment and the attention to detail prevailed in that instance. So it was very exciting. We talked about that for a while. Yeah, and also don't commit to do things in writing unless you're planning on doing that. That's an excellent point. I think the lawmaker learned a lesson too. No kidding. Well, any parting words of wisdom as we wrap up for everybody listening? I mean, I would say this is an amazing industry full of amazing people. And it is an honor and a privilege to represent all of our members before the state government and the federal government. And our power is our people, and we have great people. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us, letting us take a peek inside your head, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, we are back. I got two of my favorite people. Actually, easily to say my two favorite people at this conference. Anyhow, Doug Benz and Mike Crowley. No offense to Rob Bowen and John Mason and Sean Fitzgerald and my other friends out there. I, I just like these guys. Sorry. <laughs> we like you. Yeah. Appreciate it, David. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, Doug. So, I mean, you're the one who whispered in somebody's ear, and hopefully I set the bar low for everybody this morning so everybody who came after me looks that much better. But I just really appreciate the opportunity to be here, man. Uh, you are great. Uh, you know, what a benefit to the people in that room to get to hear what you were laying down this morning. I could probably have gone for four hours. <laughs> Easily. I know. that It flew by. It flew by, right? Yeah, it was funny because I told Kyle last night, he's like, what are you talking about? I said, how to leverage technology towards sales. He goes, why don't you just tell them to listen to the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they, they can hear it every week. They don't need to come to a conference to hear it. But turnout's pretty good. I mean, I know you were part of the planning process for this. You know, you yeah, have to be happy. Yeah, we got a lot of people here. You know, I think, uh, you know, post-COVID, everybody's ready to kind of get out and about again. So it's nice. A uh, little one day, it's pretty centrally located here in Syracuse. So people from around the state can drive in, drive out, that kind of thing. So it's not too bad. Yeah, and then, I mean, then you have guys like Crowley who practically live next door. 
Right. Made it re- really easy to get me here, Doug. Keep you it, get keep the award going. for closest agent to yeah. the, uh, <laughs> it's a to big the guy. Syracuse Marriott. <laughs> so, I mean, when's the last time you were at one of these? In New York? It's, it's been two years. It's been two and a half years since, yeah. you know, COVID started. And, you know, big guy New York has done a really nice job trying to, you know, change the tide here in New York with some of the things they want to do. Some of the things that we, you know, look on a national basis, some of the events we go to on a national basis that, you know, we've all met each other at before. And that's where uh, Lisa and the team here is really starting to change uh, the mindset around. And you can see that with the guests that have come. They're they're starting to embrace some of the stuff. They're starting yeah. to learn some of the stuff that, you know, tools that you've been using um, or we've been hearing about for years, they're just learning for the first time because mm. they haven't been, you know, they haven't listened to the podcast. They haven't listened to some of these other things, and they're just getting their feet wet. So it's it's great for New York. It's great for for us locally. So uh, a lot of fun. That's not isolated in New York. I mean, I was with I was in Kentucky at the first part of last week, and this is not a knock on Kentucky by any stretch. But I mean, Mick Hunt and I were there, and Mick asked the question in the room, "How many people have a CRM?" Same question I asked this morning. One guy raised his hand. <laughs> And he was talking about AMS 360. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, okay, people, let's let's talk through this a little bit. And here's why this is important. But I mean, I think it's it it is important that people get exposed to this stuff. Whether or not they choose to adopt it is their own decision. But if they don't ever get the exposure, they don't know. Like they don't know what they're missing or what they could be doing to incrementally improve their operations. And I mean I know that we when in the thing last night. I mean, I know you're a multi generation, multi generational agency, but I mean, my goodness, man, you were talking about agencies that legitimately have been. I mean, the 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 gentleman that got installed last night, Nick, right? His dad is 95 years old and started that agency scratch, mm-hmm. and he's he's still involved in it today. Still going. Ted Walsh, who's on our. Um Big guy in New York board, his office is down the street from mine. I, I think they go back to the 1800s. You know, they're like the fifth generation or something that's operating a pretty large agency. They've got 100 employees in Buffalo, you know, but a lot of old timers up here. It's not uh, long-time businesses. It's not the not the same as some other places. That it's are not, not like Florida. I mean, you know, we have agents. Well, I mean, number one, the opportunity in Florida is probably significantly different than it is up here just based on the – general market dynamics. So you got everybody and their brother wanting to get non-resident licenses or people are deciding, Oh, I think I'll just open an insurance agency. Cause that <laughs> looks like an easy way to make a buck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck getting contracts or anything else. But, um, you know, I think it's, um, I think it is good that we're getting back in, in person. You know, I, it's always funny when I go to these things because you've got people who who fully embrace it. Then you have the people that are kind of like, eh, I'm not really sure about it. And then you have the people that like sit at the back table by themselves because they don't want to be near anybody. <laughs> you know, I've had I've had people over the course of the last few weeks that you shake their hand and then they immediately take out hand sanitizer <laughs> and put it on. And I'm like, my God, what do you think? I have the monkey pox or whatever. I mean, come on. that is the new one. So. Yeah, I mean, what is that, by the way? You know, <laughs> I know. I saw I mean, the headline and I looked away. I mean, at this point, it's a Saturday Night Live skit in real life. I mean, we the, the COVID didn't take them out. Let's invent monkeypox. Right. <laughs> Jeez. No, it's it's funny. You know, uh, Doug and I just came out of Carrie Wallace's presentation, and she was talking about data. And, you know, she kept asking questions about how, you know, do you understand this? Or, you know, have you heard of this? And you heard of this? And, you know, Doug and I and, you know, Rob were the only three raising our hands, you know, to most of the stuff. And that just shows you that, you know, especially over the last couple of years, New York, 
crowd has not, you know, embraced some of the stuff. They, they haven't done their own research outside of it, uh, which is great for, you know, New York now that, you know, big guy in New York put this on, putting, you know, getting it in front of people, getting people to listen, uh, to understand where some of this is coming from. Because as Carrie said in her presentation, you know, when you have a 90% retention, you know, uh, 60% of all agencies, you know, grew and 40% are hiring. And she said that number is probably 70% now. It's very hard to force somebody to change and make changes when, you know, those are the numbers that, you know, everybody sees. So it's been, uh, it's been a good event so far and uh, looking forward to the second half of it. I can tell you as someone who invests in insure tech companies, I'm very much looking forward to that message getting spread across the country because it's important, man. I mean, We've got to keep up with the people that are trying to develop the direct-to-consumer channels in an attempt to displace us. And while I think that um, independent agencies will always exist, people will always need the advice, we need to learn to embrace what those people are doing and learn from it because I don't think that they really always do a good job. I mean, we've had how many of these, uh, you know, I don't even know if it's quote bind issue, but just like the instant quoting, you know, homeowners companies that blow up, you know, in terms of coming into an area. And we, we see it a decent amount in, in Florida. But the problem is not very many of them come to Florida, like openly right. smart. Right. They're not coming to Florida, but we've had a bunch of them that have. And, you know, like Swift and Kin and some of these others, and they've come in and they've they've just been very aggressive in year one and possibly even year two. Year three hits, they're out. Like, they're already dropping policies or they create an excess and surplus lines division and they can be able to charge more for that or whatever. And it's just... You know, I think that if we can take what we have the ability to build technology around in our agencies and then learn lessons from what we don't agree with, with the insure tech companies come in, it actually makes the independent channel stronger. Yeah. And I think sooner or later, one of those companies is going to figure it out and make it work and they are going to be a real threat. I feel like openly has. Yeah. I feel right. like of all of the ones that I've seen, and I don't know every single one of them, but I mean, I feel like openly has. I feel like it seems like they're doing everything right. They are the one group that in, in whether it be an IAOA or any of the other online forums, you really never hear anybody say anything bad about them. They're no. never threatened by them. They have been very clear that they want to embrace the independent agent channel. They've so far held true to that word. And, you know, I think that as long as they have controlled growth, the way that they're going about it now, you know, I don't, I've not seen their financials per se, but I feel like just based off reputation and, and how slow and controlled I see them growing, I feel like they're going to get it right. I feel like they're going to be around for a while. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Unless somebody throws big money at them. Well, I think they're going to be an IPO before they're anything else. You know, I'd say 12 to 24 months, they're probably going to go public if I had to guess, but I don't have any inside knowledge to substantiate that. I just have a hunch. That that, that seems to be the path they take. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, Doug, what, I mean, what, what's one thing you want to walk away from this, this conference with? Oh, man, putting me on the spot, huh? I, I, I think it's always nice to reinforce uh, some of the cutting-edge stuff and see what's out there. You know, uh, Catalyst that I'm fascinated by. It's nice to be around those folks. And, and I think that um, uh, that's a really cool concept for a lot of these people, like Mike was saying, that, that aren't raising their hand to uh, to have a chance with a pretty low barrier to entry to kind of mm -hmm. get your head around a lot of that technology. That's cool. Um, but I always like to take a few things back. It was really nice to hear your presentation this morning. There's a lot of gold in there. 
So uh, you can hear uh, me anytime. I man. know, I know, but it's still good <laughs> to hear it. It's still good to reinforce it. And Carrie talking about the data, that's good to hear too. It's like clean data is what it's all about. Oh, so yeah. That's, uh, that's her presentation is, is huge. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a culture shift in your agency. And, you know, if you don't what get that data, t- look like at Crowley before. Oh, <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> what it even looks like now. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's just baby steps. You got to take baby steps. It's a long process. Some of the examples she gave is, you know, this took 18 months for this agency to, you know, get to this point and it's, you know, everybody has to buy into it. And if they're not going to buy into it, it's not going to work. And then if you start it and stop, it's, you're not going to start it back up. So, you know, what data points can you, you know, start focusing on? What can you start doing? What tools you can start using to make it easier? You know, uh, nobody asked the question uh, I've, you know, in either of the rooms, either the presentations of who has a VoIP system. Right. And I've been in those rooms before. I actually thought I about asking, someone, I, I almost asked the question and right. I'm like, nah, I'm not even. I, I was waiting for somebody. Right. To say because what's a VoIP. That, that was a two year, two years ago question. Right. right. You know, when COVID hit, if you didn't have a VoIP, you better jump on a VoIP, um, which is that that's when we did. Yeah. I guarantee you that room was still half mm. or less had a VoIP system. And, you know, something like that, that is so easy to, you know, put into your agency, no matter the agency, trust me, I did it. Um, Put it, put it in there so that at least the voicemails are getting dropped right into the client f- folder. And then all of a sudden you start looking at things like Donna or some other things that actually will listen to the voicemails for you to determine your MPS score and all this other stuff. And it's like, you got to take baby steps at least, but you got to get your staff on board. You got to start learning where to, where to go, what to do, uh, and not make it seem like it's this big, you know, ordeal when it is, but it's not if you just take one step at a time and make the, make the step. Yeah, I think it's really important to have everybody on board when you set the standard, right? And then once that standard's set, now you don't accept anything less. It might be baby steps to get there, but each one of those gets defined as part of your process. Right. And I think you just sort of draw a line in the sand. I mean, I like I was half joking about it. I mean, I feel like I could give Paradiso's presentation on data at this point because I've heard it so many times this spring, but he's 100% consistent in what he says every single time. And I mean, if you're an agency out there and your data is bad, you might as well accept the fact you've got bad data. You're not going to go back 20 years to clean all of that up. I want to say Chris says that he went, he, he went back like two years and right. then it was everything going forward. You can fix going forward tomorrow, right? As long as you figure out what your standard is going to be, what's the minimum you're going to accept from anybody, and then have everybody on your team consistently bought into it. You can fix the future. How far back do you go? I don't know. That's the million-dollar question. But, you know, with everything going on right now with M&A in the, in the marketplace, if you're an agency that doesn't have good data that's clean in your agency, you're screwing your own valuation, period. End right. of story. Because you're not going to get the same multiple that an agency that's got clean data has. These people want your data. I mean, as much as anything else. And it's, it's just, like you said, it's a process, but it's habits. So I, you know, I just told my sales staff last week and I said, you know, you're not getting paid any commission on any account that the data is not clean. It is your responsibility as part of our new process. And here's the process to make sure that the data is clean once it's come through. Because guess what the download does? The download will screw up the data sometimes. It does, 100%. That's why we only do the shell in Hawksoft. Then when the download hits, we go back, we clean it up, and do everything yeah. we need to do from that aspect. And that's, rely on the download. No, and that's and that's what they were doing. That's what they want to do. That's what a lot of folks in the office want to do. They oh, want yeah. to rely on this download. It's, like, it's just enough to tell you where, where you should go and look at the real info. 
Right, right. Yep. So they they got it. They got a dose of reality last week, and and we'll see when the next uh, cracking the whip over. Oh, probably, yeah, 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 look out, man! I'm a little yeah. bit intimidated by that. Now. <laughs> well, listen, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with this soundbite. I appreciate you guys stopping by and hanging with me for a little bit, and uh, just really enjoy being able to spend time with both of you and nice hang in Syracuse for a little bit. I know it's great. Thanks. See Eddie. ya. Thanks. What's up, everybody? Back at Big Eye New York's Go Big event with Ro and Kayla from Agency CFO. I don't know. The name pretty much says it all, but t- tell everybody a little bit about what you do. And I mean, I know that you were engaged with a lot of my friends. Specifically, I know Mr. Jenkins, James Jenkins. <laughs> I wish I had his voice. <laughs> you know, whenever we do our client calls with him, it's just amazing because he has the best setup. We have the best conversations. It's like, wow, we are with a real pro when we're with James. So, James, we are calling you out. Yeah, he is like the Morgan Freeman of the insurance <laughs> industry, I think. It's funny. But Absolutely. talk a little bit about what you guys do because, I mean, I know your RD advisory group, but your brand your, your brand or your, your product is Agency CFO, which is intriguing to me because it's something I think every agency needs. How many, I mean, how many agencies out there actually have a dedicated financial person in there? You know, and, and what I mean by that is I understand the big ones do, right? I mean, when I was working at the agency I started out at, I mean, they, just, they went public two years ago at $185 million valuation. So we had a CFO and a control and, you know, a controller and then multiple people underneath them. But I think that the average agency, they don't have anybody to take care of the money. Like, Correct. it blows my mind. It is amazing. And how this all came to be is I'm R, so I'm a part of RD Advisory Group. And I I had that as my consulting company for years and years, and my husband is Don. And he was the CFO of a major regional uh, insurance agency here in central New York. And he had so many hats. He was CFO, that's his background. He was also sales manager, mm. HR, IT, facilities, admin, second in command. Sold some life insurance. Sold life away. insurance. Yeah. And so with his life insurance sales, he was just overwhelmed and stretched too thin. And it really came to what was his highest and best use and it was he's a CFO he's an expert well and that's the thing if he's doing all of those other things he's not the CFO right, right? I mean he may be by title but you need somebody dedicated like exactly how much money goes in and out of an agency if you think about it and don't even throw agency bill into the mix which complicates right. things tremendously you know I just can't even imagine so we're seeing that pretty much you need to be over even 20 million in revenue and you always speak revenue with us. You never speak premium. You heard me say it. Yeah. Well, you may not have because you were. I know you weren't in there, but I said it um, from the stage. Kayla was yeah. in there. Premiums for vanity, revenues for sanity. You, you know, got you can't it. make Absolutely. payroll with premium payments. And our Don says you can't spend premium while you're talking it. Yeah, you can exactly. only you can take revenue to the bank. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think a lot of times it's for bragging rights because the premium yeah. number is so much bigger. It makes people sound like they're more successful or whatever else. But I hate to rain on their parade. We all know how to divide by 12 and a half percent. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> and the way we look at it is Don and I have always used the term mid-agency mindset. It's something we came up with a few years ago for our small agencies. Adopt the mid-agency mindset. What's the next level? And I will tell you, mid-sized agencies never talk premium. They only talk revenue. And part of that adoption is, right, the finances. Without that, you can be a small agency, but until you adopt it and understand what your financial picture is, 
The true essence is that you're going to stay where you're at. And everything, you go to these conferences, you go everywhere, and you can't adopt anything because essentially foundation isn't built. Well, and I think the thing is people are scared of you. Like they don't yeah. want they don't want the CFO oh, coming in. They don't want Nobody the, wants the truth. <laughs> no, they don't. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think I think there's probably and you tell me how right I'm right I am about this because I'm just going off the cuff. But I have a feeling that people number one are probably scared to have you come in and look because maybe they made some indiscretions, you know, slid the debit card where they shouldn't, and they're embarrassed by it or whatever else, or they just don't they don't want you getting involved intricately in their business because it's so close to them. It's what they've built. But number two, I think the other thing that people probably think is that you're extremely expensive and they're going to lose money by bringing you in when in the reality, it's the exact opposite. You know, having somebody come in to handle that portion of the business for them actually saves them money and makes them more because if you're like me, where you're a, you're a producer, right? I don't have to worry about the stuff I don't want to worry about. I can spend more time out on the streets bringing revenue in. Absolutely. We call it, we find the money on the floor because it's all over the place, whether it's retention or producer plan in terms of the financial part. You and I talked about that earlier, that we help hold you accountable for the numbers. You go out and teach them all the great things about sales. We're going to watch those numbers. And what we really do is establish a cadence that we help our agency owners work on the business. We call ourselves an extension of their team. And really, Don and I, as owners, we really relate to our clients owner to owner. We are small business owners. We have the same issues that they do. And we can talk about it and share from that level. Part of this morning, you talked about being a sales organization first, right? Yep. You could, the insurance policy eventually makes a sale. But if you're a sales organization, you also have to know where the numbers are at. In order to grow, you have to know what's coming in the door. How are people adding to it? You know, a lot of these metrics, they're boring, and a lot of people don't want to know them. But I think when you align your team with these metrics as well, think about the power of, of the producers. When well, they you just know said how something paid. controversial because nobody wants their team. That's, that's, no. that's the crazy part. They don't want their team to know the numbers, but they want to hold the team accountable to the numbers. There you go. Like, how are you even going to do that? It's two sides, and it divides the team. Transparency builds accountability in my eyes, and especially on the team that's responsible for growing the agency, whether it's you know your account managers that are cross-selling or producers that are out there in the field every day. They have to know what it means to them, and without the goal, right, we can set the goal out there, but if we don't understand the context of what it's doing, you don't really know the why. Agreed. So what would your advice be to an agency that's out there maybe struggling a little bit right now? I mean, aside from just immediately hiring you, what are some things they can look at to decide that they need to do that? Because well, if you're like me, I can't just walk in the front door and say, hey, I'm here, I'm ready, are you ready to buy from me? They need to come to that realization on their own. So I ask a lot of questions or I give people things to, to work on that they're going to come to the realization, I can't do this by myself. So what are some things that low-hanging fruit for agencies out there right now? Right now, first, we never sell on the first meeting. We get to know everybody. We take them through a process of, you're going to learn about us. We're going to do an assessment of your agency and really talk about 50 critical points and, and get to know where could we work together and make that difference, find that money on the floor. But really, we look at things, five factors, what's your profitability, what's your EBITDA, how are you managing contingency, what is your net growth, 
What's your year-over-year growth, right? You can't answer these basic financial questions about your agency and its situation. There's your there's your answer well, that you and, might need and us. We're in an interesting time, specifically in Florida right now, because oh. people probably think they're growing at an exponential rate, but go. it's not it's, really organic growth. It's just correct. market conditions correct. that are forcing revenues up 25 to 30% in many cases. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a, a, a very weak foundation for people to be building their business on. You know, yeah, I, I would almost think that at this point, it would, it would, I don't know. I'd be interested in what your thoughts are around that, but I would almost be interested in policy count year over year as opposed to it's, revenue year over year because revenue is such a wild card at this point. And that's exactly what we're doing with some of our Florida clients right now. We're building tools for them. We're adjusting, and that's part of the CFO package. The full package that you get is, you know, as these situations come up, the things we can't control, we're building tools live with you to find a solution for it and then scaling it to other agencies. And part of that is, you know, in policy growth, what can we get? And separately, if you're not tracking it appropriately right now, the biggest thing we have is if the book of business isn't clean, if your numbers aren't clean, you can't even calculate, you know, are we growing in policy count? Because the numbers aren't correct. Yeah, they don't have any idea. Right. And that's part of what we do up front is get that right. So we have a cadence, we have said it before, our clients get, they get put into our custom financial model. We take their data, their income statement, balance sheet, retention, new business, and we put it into our model and every month they have an earnings call. And that holds them accountable because every month we are looking at policy count revenue for retention, new business, and it's constant. Based on their different lines of business, it's customized to their agency. And that's for areas like Florida where rates are are skewing the numbers. We're honing it in and using that expert financial guidance. And really the first step of the process, whoever comes on board with us, we look at, I've heard you say it before, how clean is their data? Yeah. And we clean it up. I mean, we don't. We guide them on the journal entries, the chart of accounts, what to do to get their financial data clean. So how often do you get calls from people and they don't even have financial? We're laughing. <laughs> every day. Every, I, I know. I was going to say, day. I mean, it, it, it is absolutely nuts to think yeah. that that's the case. But at least you're getting calls, right? right. We're so, getting calls. I mean, I look at it that way because they could not be calling you right. and not Absolutely. have financials. Or they're looking for recommendations to bookkeepers, to CPAs, to other advisors in the industry. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is we found is not only are we, you know, very little CFOs that know the industry like we do, there are a few bookkeepers and CPAs oh, yeah. that actually yeah. know it. So if we can help align all of those people, you're moving the agency even further because you're not only looking at it at, you know, the 30,000-foot level – but you're bringing the other people on board and making their life easier. Well, you're, and if you don't have a CPA who understands how insurance works, you're screwing your we have, valuation. We have, we have horror exactly. stories. We literally have horror stories about it. And it's one thing, you, you started our chat by saying this. People don't, agency owners don't want, they're afraid to contact us because of that embarrassment. They don't know what they don't know. And we procrastinate on the things that scare us. Yep. And yet we make it super easy. We make it very friendly. We are not judgmental. Well, I think you said something up front that was actually really important to us. As you said, our friends and, you know, it's silly or as disgenuine as it sounds, you know, these agency owners really are our friends. And when you think about it, we're coming at it from the perspective to help. Yep. We truly are wanting from a business owner level to help them 
find what's next. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think part of that starts with the agency. I mean, they're not enrolling in a 12-step program, no, but they have, to, no. they have to understand they have a problem first because yes. there's a lot of people out there who don't even know they have a problem yet. That's not your ideal client. Correct. And by the time they go through that process of that we meet three times before we finally say this is how we should work together, we, we become friends, we, become, we know them, they know us, the comfort level is through the roof. We never sell on the first call because we don't know them. How can we customize to them? So for, in, in the, again, all you agency owners out there, pay attention to this. A lot of these people, this is 100% of their net worth. Yes, yes. This, this, is, is, this, their is, their, this is their retirement. Yes. This is their kid's college. It's yes. everything. And they, they're not running it like that. And I'm Correct. not, look. I'm not throwing off on anybody because <laughs> I was very, very clear. Operations is not where I want to spend my time in my agency, but I recognized that I needed that person in there. Correct. I need 15 handlers. I don't need one. <laughs> I need 15 people or it's, it's going to be like uh, 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 just. Have you a, met Kayla? She's mine. <laughs> yeah. We get it. But it, it has to be that way. And I just, I feel like that there are so many people out there. So this is, as we wrap this up, this is my my closing piece of this. Number one, I want y'all to come back on and I want to talk about this for a full episode because we could go for a really long time. And I want, I I really feel like what you do is important and it's extremely important for the 20,000 people that listen to this podcast every month to hear. Number two, you know, I want the agency owners out there to understand that you don't need to be embarrassed, right? Not, it's just, We get in our own head so much. It's no different than the sales game. The reason we don't make calls is because we get it in our head that, that we don't belong in there, or we don't want to talk to people, or we don't want to face rejection, or we're going to get rejected, or whatever else. Just suck it up. Make the call. Have the conversation. They've already told you this isn't a timeshare presentation, you know. people. They want to get to know you. And if you're like me, you're going to tell people if you can help them or not. And I mean, I have, walk away from we, more business than I take. We are actually very proud of that, that we have had conversations like, hey, you guys are run financially strong. You're good. You don't need us. Sometimes they're run financially strong. And they want the, the really cool strategic stuff we can get yeah. into. Compensation plans and Well that's probably the, where you're at with James more than anything else. Yeah, because he's I've amazing. got a, I have to believe that Mr. Jenkins has a pretty runs a fairly tight ship for all practical purposes. Now yeah. he does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> does well not. that's good to know. He's great. He really is truly in our top five of favorites. And I've told him that many times. I told him that last week that you know, to see someone like him and James, I'm calling you out, to see him grow and thrive and bring others along, that's what we do. We want to bring others along with us on that success. This is what I know about James Jenkins. He knows what he doesn't know, and he is at a point in his career where he understands at this point he needs to go outside to bring yeah. that help in. And so that's part of what my relationship is with him on the on the sales training side for commercial and everything else. And I mean, he doesn't say, he can't say enough good things about, you know, agency CFO. <laughs> I've been hearing, now that I'm putting all of the pieces of the puzzle together, 
he has been talking about it. It was a fun moment up at the show floor when you and I, you said, oh, you're her. And I'm like, yep. I'm her. <laughs> That's it. Well, listen, I appreciate y'all coming on and giving Thank us a quick so sound bite. We will definitely have you back on. You can you can bring Thank Don you. too, and I can talk to all three of you at the same time. Oh, you want to and meet we Don. Have He's stories our CFO. For days. Yeah, absolutely. So He's thank you so much, sir. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Thank right. you, ladies. Thank you, David. Very much we are blessed. It. Yes, thank ma'am. Thank you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.